Deanna Lana's podcast. Wendy Anna Lana's podcast. Get literary, get literary. Woo! So while I was in Washington D.C., just randomly, my my uh, husband came home. But that's not the random part. He usually yeah, like does every day. Every day. That's pretty yeah. typical. Then what? What was typical was on our porch was no joke a watercolor picture of our house. <laughs> No note, nothing. Just a watercolor picture of our own house. Like, just sitting there, you know, and it looks like it's, like, 10 years old, and I feel like just sitting here in my house talking about it, like, it's probably going to trigger the haunting. It's probably going to trigger the haunting, and it's totally weird. That's weird, right? That is so strange, because that happened to me, too. (laughs) What? I came home one day. Wait, wait, wait. I came home one day, and there was a watercolor painting of my house on my on my porch and what weirdo <laughs> is dropping watercolor paintings of people's houses at their well, houses with this one with mine it it was my um realtor which actually is like kind of a great idea if you think about it you know she just mm-hmm. like took some kind of watercolor app and then altered the photo but but you're saying this is a Yours is a real watercolor. It's it's a real watercolor <laughs> painting. Like you can see the brush strokes, and it's not even in the colors of my current house. It looks like it's been it's like twelve years old, at, at least. Like we think it's like super old, and it's just and it's signed at the bottom, <laughs> and it's anyway. But yours is I mean yours is weird, but mine this is, is extra anyway. Weird. Who 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 are these 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 uh, monsters <laughs> that are coming to our houses and giving us these accurate depictions of what our house looks like. And, like, who who would say that to themselves? Like, oh, look, I have this old painting of a house that I don't live in. Let me just, like, sneakily put it on the front porch. Let's, I mean, let's just, like, you know, I, like, I don't know. If I own pictures of people, I wouldn't just leave that picture of them on there. <laughs> oh, my God, that would be Porsche. great. And then also crossing out the eyes. But, Alana, did you check the windows of that picture? <laughs> oh, my God, I'm too scared. I, I always, like, I don't want to look too closely because I fear I can see, like, a person in the window that uh-huh. wasn't there before. Like the... Uh, like, even looking we, at it right now, I'm like, no. We need, like, a time lapse of that. Of that <laughs> to make sure that there's no like you know curtains being drawn up or down or uh, so basically uh, like a... you're in a haunted novel right now and someone's going I to totally die. Am. Someone is definitely gonna gonna die. I I'm a little bit worried. Well, um, it may not be you. I mean, Matt touched it first, so. Yeah, that's true. But I was the one who was like, there's no such thing you as You were ghosts. the person? Oh, that's you know? like a death wish. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. I'm definitely going to be found hanging from a garage door pretty soon. <laughs> well, it's nice know. knowing you. Yeah, well, it was nice. It's good. <laughs> I, I look forward to to getting getting non-dead Wendy's totally excellent podcast <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> that doesn't sound nerdy at all. <laughs> Not at all. Hello and welcome to Getting Lit, Alana and Wendy's totally excellent literary podcast. 
This is Season 3, Episode 6 of our Romance Novel Focused Podcast. My name is Alana, and I'm one of your hosts today. And I'm Wendy, your other host. Today we are discussing To Pleasure a Prince by Sabrina Jeffries. How are you today, Wendy? I'm pretty good. How's yourself? Pretty good, pretty good. We are doing this later in the day than we normally do. Because mm-hmm. um, I, I had to, I was going to a going away party. Um, and a local art installation. So, Ooh. Yeah, I went to nice. a local art installation yesterday. Nice. I a friend of a friend knows the artist that was in the art gallery, and that's why we went. He said that this guy once bought ten thousand dollars worth of his of his art, and then just forgot to pick it up. <laughs> like, who uh... does that? Who does that? <laughs> Is am I am I ever going to get in the part a part in my life where I'm like, I don't really know where that ten thousand dollars went, but I'm okay with it. Yeah, like there's something I was supposed to do. <laughs> Good thing my massive bank account has uh-huh. like not even a dent in it. Uh, I I think I've gotten to the point in my life in which if I owe someone ten bucks, I don't care if they pay me back. Yeah, so, yeah, ten bucks. Um, well, I guess maybe his thing is ten thousand dollars equals ten bucks. Yeah. So, God, we should just eat the rich. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that sounds like a good idea. Definitely a, a good idea. Definitely. Or well, that's cool. Sell them artwork. Or sell them and artwork. Then that too. Resell it because they didn't pick what it up in the first it? place. Those paintings. They're just really big paintings. Anyway, what are you drinking, Alana? I am drinking a concoction that I have made that is dangerous. Dangerous. Um, anyway, it's it's called all right, so it's called The Last Rose of Summer, mm-hmm. named after the song that the main protagonist will refuses to sing with the main love interest, and then he gets really angry about it. He's such and a then man. he and then he and then he drinks a bunch of whiskey. So I made a whiskey-based cocktail. And the dangerous part about this drink is it makes one drink, okay? And it's got four ounces of bourbon in it. Jesus. <laughs> it's got four ounces of bourbon and two ounces of orange juice, a tablespoon of mango peach marmalade. You're supposed to use orange marmalade, but I don't know how many. Maple syrup, some rosemary simple syrup that I made as well, and then an egg white. Um... <laughs> And so it's got enough other stuff in there that it doesn't feel like you're drinking bourbon straight, but you are. That's what's happening. <laughs> it's always good to cloak that that bourbon <laughs> taste. But I'm very happy because it uses many of the skill sets <laughs> I have gained through our like three years of doing podcasts. It has rosemary water. It has uh, rosemary simple syrup, and it's got um, egg yeah. white in it. So pretty happy with it. Uh, it's it's not it doesn't taste straight like bourbon and that's not just me saying it my husband tried some of it earlier and he said that it, it was surprising how drinkable it was which makes it even more dangerous yeah i can see that yeah what are you drinking i'm drinking a negroni because that's all i have you're a big negroni <laughs> person aren't you i love negroni and you know what that's like the first cocktail that I was actually like, you know what, guys? This is my cocktail. Nice. 
And um, it's funny because then later I read an article about how people who like Negronis and other things, like it specifically said Negroni in the title before I clicked on it. Um, it said that those people are more likely to be psychopaths. <laughs> so, <laughs> so what you're saying, so, what you're saying is, Wendy, it, it was you that left me this this watercolor painting. <laughs> Oh my god, that totally is the twist from your uh, horror novel. It's me. It? <laughs> of course, you had your own watercolor painting. You're the one that made and them. And I watercolor, uh. so basically, I'm halfway there already. Uh. <laughs> uh, uh, uh. But but anyway, so yeah, so you're a serial killer because you drink the same drink over and over again. Basically, it. It basically no 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 it's it's because of the drink because negronis are bitter they're not overly sweet like a rem- lemon drop or whatever um and that's what i like about it and then it said something about how like people who like bitter drinks are more likely to be bitter like to to be pessimist mm. and to like that, that think seems the like the sort sucks. of science that really shouldn't be science <laughs> like how did you really research this yeah <laughs> uh, how it's all right it's fine. i don't know i've known a lot of chicks who dr- who drink rosé and are just like devastatingly depressed so <laughs> also you know rampant alcohol use usually yeah. is an indicator of depression yeah. So. yeah. <laughs> Maybe more co- correlation than causation. That's legit. That's legit. Because I feel like people who drink bitter drinks are also drinking more alcoholic drinks, as a rule. Yeah. As well, right? Like martinis mm-hmm. and scotch. And you have to like Negroni is is not a typical drink. You have to like get deep into the into the cocktail world to find out what it is. Though, I, w- I mean, this is in the nicest way possible, but I feel like a Negroni is one of those hipster drinks as well. It is extra hipster. Yes. I'm a hipster. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. You're a hipster. I'm a hipster. We're hipsters. We gentrify everywhere we go. We, I definitely gentrify. <laughs> I see no problem with avocado toast. Zero. It <laughs> sounds delicious. It is, frankly, it is. It is delicious. I haven't had it. I don't think it's really, honestly, not that complicated. You just put avocados on toast. But let's just talk about like the deliciousness of toast in general. Like toast is okay. a thing that we in our society need to eat more of. Period. I do love toast. It's- the Brits are so so focused on toast. Legit. You know what the Brits are also focused on? Pleasuring princes. <laughs> they are. Oh, I remembered my biggest beef about this book. Okay. Well, first we'll give a little synopsis. Okay. Should we just read the back then? That works. Yeah, go ahead. Beautiful Lady Regina Tremaine has turned down so many suitors she's called La Belle Dame Sans Merci. The truth, she won't marry because she carries a dark secret. She sees no good reason, however, why her brother shouldn't court the lovely Louisa North. Even if the girl's brother, the notorious dragon Viscount, objects. Marcus North, Viscount Draker, bastard son of the Prince of Wales, is rumored to be a monster who holds women captive in, captive in his dark castle to have his way with them. <laughs> He's been exiled from polite society for years, but when Lady Regina 
makes a plea on her brother's behalf. Marcus proposes an outrageous deal. Her brother can court Louisa, so as long as Marcus can court Regina. Can can the beauty and the beast truly survive a proper courtship when the devastatingly improper passion between them threatens to cause the scandal of the century? Oh my god! Oh my god! <laughs> yeah. Um, so he's he's a bastard prince. Bastard so prince. Prinny, the prince, uh, prince regent is his father. And I, I was just like uncomfortably close to like it was uncomfortably close to a real historical figure, you know. Well, yeah, I think she says in the afterword that she's basing it on a pretty, a pretty real character. Yeah. Hmm. And I just have a hard time with that. Like the only thing going through my head at that point was like, what if two hundred years down the line, um, this point in time becomes a romance novel sensation and somebody writes about the bastard child of Trump. Like, (laughs) like that's what I thought. Like, you know, the Prince Regent was not a great dude. (laughs) Like I, I had, I, for a while I was like, all right, I need to look this up. And one of the things I read said like the, the best thing he did was actually like the, fact that they didn't get rid of him like he stuck it through (laughs) other than that he was just shit like they're really surprised that the monarchy lasted with him as as prince regent and then later king (laughs) so so your problem is is that is that you're worried that we will later write bodice rippers about modern times like that are similar to this no it's, it's just like the romanticizing of historical figures is is always iffy to me because we don't actually know who they were like what they were like you know and everything in romance has this like sheen of like you know but they're really sensible kind-hearted people in <laughs> in their hearts you know like prinny was just like a sensible kind-hearted person who just wanted the best for his bastard children, you know? Yeah, he was, but was also manipulative. Yeah, yeah and a yeah, bastard. Yeah, I mean, he's still a manipulative bastard, right? I mean, yeah. I, I, I guess like towards the end of the book, the father figure, the kind of twist is that the that Prinny really had um, the dragon Viscount's best best, uh, really, really wanted to develop a relationship with his bastard son. And had not been able to mm-hmm. because his mother, who is not in the story at all, is kind of crazy, right? Like he's just an adorable yeah. man slut, just an old, adorable he's- old dude man slut <laughs> who's just slutting yeah. around all over the place, can't stop slutting. <laughs> you know, yeah. And I've, you know, I've read a lot of Regency, and I've read a lot of like stuff where Prinny is in it a lot. This one was by far like he like the most involved with the Prince Regent that I've read before. Cause otherwise it's just like, oh yeah, Prinny. That guy. Oh. <laughs> also it a fact I read was that he really likes Napoleon, which is like everybody <laughs> everybody in in Regency novels demonize Napoleon. Like why would you Yeah. <laughs> Why would you be okay with that? 
But I don't know. It it just like it feels like a lot of like, oh shucks, you, you know, like, you know, the lack of accountability for historical figures, you know, just because they did great things or whatever. Or if they were just a king and a prince, you know, and just there. That that kind of bothers me. But he was all right. So it's almost like the thing about, so you talk a lot about these bodice rippers, that the thing you like about them is they exist in sort of a non-reality, right? A bodice ripping mm-hmm. sort of pseudo, pseudo reality of princes yeah. and dukes and stuff. And your problem with this one is that it, it tries too much to be actually historically placed. And then that might be rep- <laughs> representing those historic times badly. That correct? Yeah, I mean, I know, I know they're not being like this is an accurate historical depiction of <laughs> the Prince Regent, but um, I guess I just, I just don't want it connected to the real world in any way. <laughs> That's probably the real answer, because the closer you get to reality, the the more depressing it is. And having the Prince Regent in there just reminded me about reality to an annoying degree. (laughs) (laughs) But what about you? How did you like this book? I liked this book. Um, Really? Yeah. Um, It had a couple things. Number one, it had a discount with a castle. Pretty sweet. Yes, castles are great. Dungeons are great. Fun. I loved, I, you know, I really did love, so the book relates to, I'm going to tell her dark secret because it's like on the first page. She can't read. And it oh, reminds yeah. me of that part in Wayne's World when they're doing the Oscar moment. And he's like, you know what? I never learned to read. <laughs> I guess like I'll try and put a, that clip on our um on our blog post. Yeah, so I thought that that was... It was inter- it was an interesting issue. Um I thought that her back and forth um with Marcus, you know, was cute in many ways. The fact that he is just such a whiny baby and she just puts him <laughs> yeah. she just like, you know, she you know, he the the room I love it of like basically all the rumors in these books are true. Like she puts him in <laughs> in place, right? Like he she uh-huh. she like gets him to like do basically whatever she wants throughout the story and he just rages all over the place and she figures it out. Um mm-hmm. and I did like I like some of those side characters. I liked Sicily. Oh yeah. I thought that she was a uh, she's sort of like a a chaperone. Mm-hmm. And I liked that. I liked the fact that a lot of the story had to do with the the main love interest and his um his his sort of plans for his uh sister and what she who sh- who she would marry and how that would work and and a lot of this is like everyone is trying to do things for this sister and she kind of comes into the story late and she's very much like why didn't you guys fucking tell me the whole time that this was happening i was making a fuel of myself i thought you loved me and you just didn't want us to be together i had no idea i was being manipulated i'm so pissed right now yeah and she actually turns out to be a pretty sensible human being yeah and she's not like in a sensible and like a overly calculating super smart way but in a like i thought he loved me and yeah. that's why I was doing this. Like, I'm not <laughs> stupid. I just, I just, I mean, he's, he's clearly like, like, he's clearly like a well-off character, right? 
And she's clearly, like, mm-hmm. kind of, you know, she kind of likes that, you know, he's into her, right? Yeah. You know? And so so she doesn't realize why he has a problem, because he's, like, a fucking terrible communicator, which is, like, an important part for the book. Yeah, and so I thought it was an amusing romp through it. I thought it moved forward. Um, I like the fact that about halfway through is when they get married and they start doing it. Um, I thought that was good pacing, right? I always love that. Like, like it's just like, get... and we're married. We're married. Because that's, because cause I, you know, anyway. And so it. Hasty marriages. Yeah. Love them. Hasty, I just love Hasty them. marriages where everyone is not sure if they truly love them or anyway. Yeah. I also, it's... I also love a good going back to the estate and looking at all the things I own. Oh, I love it. <laughs> oh, like 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 the the descriptions of all the fucking paintings. Mm-hmm. Oh, and I love that stuff like she learns a little bit about him by b- going to his house. Yes, sorry, that's straight out of Pride and Prejudice, right? Like mm-hmm. uh, I I I love it. Or like they We're go, okay with it. I'm okay. Oh yeah. Are are you okay with it? Yeah, I'm fine with it. Yeah. Um you can reprise any scene from Jane from Jane Austen, I'll yeah, be yeah, yeah. Any scenes, any scenes from Jane Austen, um, and the fact that they go to like this cute little townhouse that's like a mini palace that is really cool, mm-hmm. and they have some nice art in it, and I'm like, yeah, like I'm into it. <laughs> yeah. So I thought that was good. I thought maybe you wouldn't like it. The reason why I thought maybe you wouldn't like it, first of all, it's um, historical romance, and and historically. <laughs> He, he, and he's manipulative. Oh my God. <laughs> he basically, he, like his first, first response when he learns that she can't read is basically how can he manipulate her <laughs> into, how can he basically, he doesn't say this like that, but he's like, oh, I will spend all my time with her. Like, like he spends like at least 40 pages trying to like yeah. basically trying to figure shit. out a way that he can like it. enslave her in his mm-hmm. house. Right. Like he doesn't want to. He doesn't want to, he, he, in like a romance way, like he just wants to keep her all to herself and like he wants her to spend all of her time on the, you know, like, and to basically have no other choice but to spend a bunch of time with him. Which is, which is very Beauty and the Beast, right? Because like, that's very Beauty and the Beast. Like, how can I keep him in, keep her in my castle? And his, yeah, his first response to her not learning to read was like, I will teach her. I will teach her only me. <laughs> I am the person that shall teach her. And then somebody else taught her and she, he got really mad. <laughs> he was like, how will she think I am essential if I don't teach her how to read? She's like, you're an idiot. I love I love the books that are just like, you're an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because he's trying to be this overbearing character and it really never works for him, right? No. Like, all of his threats to, like, ruin her, like, she basically chooses to ruin herself, right? Yeah. (laughs) So, these are the kind of books that I read all the time, and I almost finished it in, like, two days, so I had to slow down. So, (laughs) I stopped in the middle, and then, you know, it's hard when you stop in the middle, and then you need to pick it back up, Mm -hmm. you know? But these are the kind of books that I read all the time. So I was cool with it. <laughs> I love growly um, heroes who just, like, really want to be with some girl. 
and that's their thing. <laughs> I just want to be with you all the time, please. <laughs> um, he did have a lot of like woman hate, you know, which which can always like go awry. And thank God in romance novels, things can like emotional trauma can be fixed with a good tupping. Like, thank God. Because <laughs> otherwise we would have a man, a woman hater on our hands, you know, <laughs> like getting bitter and bitter over the next 10 years sitting in his castle, you know, thinking like women are never logical or whatever. <laughs> Um, and he is really out of the line a lot of times. He, It's like his reactions are so intense compared to what she does because he's just so insecure, <laughs> which I like. Ugh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he yeah. Some of his her responses or are, are the fact that like she she doesn't feel like he trusts her because he really doesn't trust her. Right. No. I mean, despite the fact she's literally done nothing ever, like, against him, but, like, the fact that he makes her swear that she's not, he's not gonna cheat on her, which is clearly related to the fact that he's a bastard, right? And everyone, like, conveniently forgets that, like, even though it's, like, the one thing we know about him as character. And then, but then also, like, the whole, the whole fact of that she, she isn't trying to protect her brother in their, in their sort of... Uh, thing, but she does. She does see that, like, you know, that she doesn't quite trust him, right? Mm-hmm. And so, you know, she she also can't really control him. And so, the the back and forth with the brother character, and he just like kind of like assumes that she's been working for him, um, which really seems to be not what's going on, right? Yeah, she's working for herself. She's she's doing what she wants to do. Yeah, like, she's like, ah, oh, bitch, this is my marriage. I'm not doing everything for you. Fuck off. <laughs> yeah. You know, and it's kind of badass when she just kind of like, you know, leaves and stays with his friend, you know, and it's just like, I'm going to mm-hmm. learn how to read myself. Um, yeah. thought that was pretty good. I also thought the initial scene in the book uh, where she goes to his palace and meets mm-hmm. him in the fucking giant library, which I imagined as the Beauty and the Beast library because, oh my God. Yes. It's yes. definitely the library. Yes, yes, a thousand times, yes. Um and 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 then um the sort of interesting, you know, back and forth they have. I especially when you learn that later that she couldn't read, so of course she was really intimidated by being in the library, right? Mm-hmm. Um and anyway, I thought that that was a well-done scene in general. One of my biggest beefs with this book is the title. Mm-hmm. Yeah. To pleasure a prince. He's a Viscount, bitches. All right? Um, yeah, he's... I mean, the series is called something about princes. Okay. So that's probably why they did it. But um, at the same time, he's not really a prince. And also, um, nobody knows it. Like, everybody knows about one of the the guys, and... um, But nobody knows about him. Because really, like, his title would be called into question. Mm, yeah. But there's also some bad Oh, go ahead. There was also like um we got to the part where you know like the the whole backstory is finally revealed and um 
the Prince Regent says something along the lines of like, I got permission to boing your mom because your dad has no sex drive. And I was so waiting for him to say, he's a gay. <laughs> he's a gay. Because <laughs> they always do that. <laughs> I'm always like waiting to see if, if they'll say, he's a gay. <laughs> Like, because that's the only reason. It's That's always the reason. <laughs> well, you know, like, you can say, like, asexual or whatever. But most of the time, like, nine times out of ten, if you're talking about, like, some sort of Victorian novel, and they just, like, talk about how he just, like, is sick or poorly or doesn't have a, you know, a lot of interest in women. It's like, this is the gay character, and we're just not saying it out loud. <laughs> His dad was really into architecture. <laughs> yeah. He's really into going, yeah, to various on these long trips. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. It's kind of gay. Well, we don't know. Kind of. Maybe he's just asexual. Well. Yeah, maybe or maybe he's just not into her, right? I don't know. Uh no. <laughs> <laughs> he was definitely something of like he doesn't even think of her in that way. Like there was a point where they yeah, were like yeah. he loved her in his way. Yeah, I I enjoyed it too. I always love characters that are growly. Another reason why I love them is that there's usually good back and forths, you know, and I love that tension. And she she gave as good as she got. I think he was like out of line a lot of times. <laughs> like, he, like she didn't want to sing with him. And then he just said in front of everyone standing up, standing up in this like ball, like, oh, she thinks she's better than me. Apparently, she thinks she's better than me. This woman who doesn't even have a title. I'm a fucking Viscount. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't he have a scar? He had a scar, right? Yeah, he had a, a scar from a poker accident. Love that, also. Uh, and he had it under a beard, and you, she could tell that he was probably attractive <laughs> underneath, but he wouldn't <laughs> shave it. Uh, and he just like that. I, I, I personally, I thought the whole makeover, like uh-huh. you know, when he shows up all looking all, all fancy like, which I imagined is looking a bit like Vasco, ba- Gaston, but with like a big scar through him. <laughs> You uh, thought he went from the beast to Gaston. Yeah, that was how that was how that worked in my brain. Um but uh, you know, hash, hashtag lusting after animated characters. <laughs> but just the whole thing of it, I thought that was really cute. I also liked when uh they went into one of the parties and uh and the guy's first first thing was, you know, are there any virgins left? <laughs> Uh, or something like that. And I'm like, that is funny. That is an objectively funny thing to say. <laughs> yeah, I liked how he was, like, wearing slouchy outfits. And he he was just being an ass. Like, just one of those asses that are like, what does it even matter? Everybody hates me anyway. And then she gives him a set down of, like, uh, you are not acting like a gentleman. <laughs> and he was like, oh, but. Also, like, another thing about this, about the fact that I've read a lot of these is that I've read better. I mean, it was good. It was, like, a mm-hmm. solid three for me. 
but I've mm. I've read better. Um, more more tension, more growly, more humor, more you know, whatever. It just made me continue to think about one of my favorites, where um, it's Lord of Scoundrels by uh Loretta Chase, and she mm-hmm. <laughs> like he's an like a huge ass. And he is just really uptight about a lot of things. And the way she sets him down is so funny because she just goes, you're, you're high strung. Like you're, you're an emotional person and I can understand you getting that way. So this like huge dude who thinks he's a womanizer, who's like a Duke and, you know, thinks he's so cool is like, I'm high strung. (laughs) (laughs) also like this also should have been called something about a dragon really because there's a lot of fucking dragon talk in this book (laughs) there's there is a lot of a lot of dragon talk (laughs) yeah we were we were using a lot of dragon metaphors about his emotional state and the whole taming the beast Mm -hmm. Thing in the in the final love scene, it was just a it was a lot. It was, it was a, a lot. lot to- and oh, so so at the end, like so, his thing is like he was emotionally traumatized as a kid because he was left in a dungeon for three days without any light or anything. That's the one thing that he just like constantly harps on. He's like, I was in a dungeon, guys, three days. Three days in a dungeon. I was just a child. Three days. And then he comes up to Brittany and he's like, three days, motherfucker. Three days. So, of course, we had to solve this. And the only way to solve emotional trauma in a romance novel is to fuck it out of you. (laughs) It's to fuck it in the exact place where the trauma happened, (laughs) right? Because that's how you get over things is by you really just got to make love in the exact place where trauma Uh happened. And that won't in any way mess you up more. (laughs) Nope. Absolutely not. It's exposure therapy, right? Like that. That's a thing. It's 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 I don't uh, (laughs) like it. Like it's not even exposure therapy. It's like I'm going to associate it with this other thing. Oh, yeah. Like anyway. Oh, this book had some hilarious editing problems. <laughs> yeah. Um, and one of one of the ones in which I was like, "What, man? Seriously?" was on page three forty three, in which, um, okay, now that Regina had accomplished her purpose, she wanted a comfortable bed where she could hold her husband close and remind him that they belonged forever together forever. All right, and then it starts the next paragraph. Louisa had the good sense not to disturb them, thank goodness, so they spent the night in the bedchamber, blah, 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 blah. So the so the noun of the sentence before is Louisa, right? Mm-hmm. Last noun used. And then it's like, when she woke near dawn, near dawn to find him inside her, thrusting <laughs> hard. I was like, <laughs> That's my brother! Like, no! <laughs> like, I was like, no! Like, like... <laughs> Whoops. You know. Got a little incest in there. (laughs) Yes. That's funny. I didn't catch Uh, that. And there was another part where clearly they had edited it wrongly. And apparently they've edited out the part where he asks her to go to the theater. Mm -hmm. Right? 
and it's not in the actual book. There's just the fact that he is she had asked him to go to the theater. The actual dialogue where that happens isn't in the book. So that was really annoying. <laughs> like, it was like, oh, and he said that he'd go to the theater. I'm like, that's not what he said. And then they're like, so we're going to go to the theater. I'm like, cool, that's not what he said. <laughs> Listen, Sabrina Je- Jeffries has a lot on her mind, okay? <laughs> she's She's pumping out books, like, at least once a year. I know. She probably put it in some other book, and people are like, when are they going to go to the theater? (laughs) Some other character. (laughs) And then there was this weird dead end where they talked about the theater, but they didn't go. Bad (laughs) copy-pasting. I'm I'm sure these are really hard to make, but but that one with the incest was too much for me. That is so funny. Um... I remembered too late who Sabrina Jeffries was. Like when we were talking about this book and we were and um Catherine was recommending it. I was like Sabrina Jeffries and I kind of thought of Sophie Jordan, um which is another historical romance novelist. But Sabrina Jeffries is like I I don't know. I I like her books sometimes. There was this one book that was similar and it's called like The Art of Sinning. And, um, it was about this guy who was a painter and he like, (laughs) he was painting for expression sake, first of all, which is like, nobody did that at that time. Like (laughs) art was not like an art. It was like, please draw my child so that I can see what she looks like. So I can remember that. It's like a Kodak. It's not, (laughs) it's not like. I need to express myself, you know. And this this dude is making this giant painting about, I don't know, whatever. He thinks that he's making the painting about his father. And then the, the female heroine is like, no, look at that face. And then it's him. So you realize that he is the one who's guilty about himself. And like... You know, you know I love that psychological bullshit. Like, you know I love it, but come on. Like, <laughs> it's just, like, a little too far-fetched. <laughs> like, same thing with the dra- dragons and the dungeon. I was like, you know I love it, but come on. <laughs> I, You know what? I think that, um, I bet you that Sabrina Jeffries wrote this as some sort of dragon thing. And then, um, and then the publishers put in Beauty and the Beast because it wasn't like terribly Beauty and the Beast, you know. No, well, and I don't know if it was too much Beauty and the Beast. We read it because Catherine Macy hashtag, you know, Catherine Macy had we'd said that we wanted to read one, and she had thought that this was a good Beauty and the Beast book. I don't know if it was going for that. Yeah, I I feel like. Um... As far as, like, this being a Beauty and the Beast retelling, it wasn't, um, you know, like, sometimes when when books go out to intentionally be a fairy, fairy tale retelling, they're usually, like, pretty fucking on the spot, you know, with them. Like, to the point where I'm like, you can't just write the same scene, guys. You know? <laughs> <laughs> um, and I don't think that was this. Um, because there are like fairy tale re- retellings that it's like one book's Beauty and the Beast and the other book's, you know, The Ugly Duckling or whatever, you know. Mm-hmm. I mean, it did start in a very uh, like Beauty and the Beast way with the Grand Library mm-hmm. and, the, 
and they come into my lair and, <laughs> and strike up a bargain. Yeah. But I don't think it, I think I don't think it stayed there very long. I guess, um, like yeah, because there would have to be more imprisonment mm-hmm. um, in the story. Yes, for <laughs> you know I love my Stockholm syndrome. You know I love it. <laughs> I thought <I, laughs> there was very little Stockholm syndrome going on here. And maybe that is the thing that really mostly disappointed me. I know, because there was that one scene where she's like, I'm going to town. And he's like, no, you're not. And she's and she's like, but I am. I'll find a way there. And then he's like, no, you won't. And then she's like, but I will. And he's like, okay. Okay. You're not a beast at all. <laughs> I know. Like, I was like, you were like, no, I forbid it. And then she's like, but I'm going to go. And he's like, okay, buy me something there, basically. Have fun. Have fun. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's definitely, there's there's some books out there that are that trope, which is like, they're stuck in a place together and then they have to figure each other out, you know? Fucking love those. Mm-hmm. This was not one of them. Mm-hmm. No, not at all. <laughs> um, I've also read like, one of my favorite books is um, Seven Nights in a Rogue's Bed. And it almost entirely is within his house with him saying, you have to hang out with me for seven days. And <laughs> and so it's just them, which is probably why I love it, because it's just, just distilled romance. You know, there's not anything else going on other than, like, them getting to know each other and seduction. You know? Love those. Yeah. Well, there's a lot of, um, in that situation, there's a lot of feelings talk. And I always thought in this book there is a, a lot of feelings talk as well. Mm-hmm. It was good. I liked it. Yeah, I mean, I, honestly, also we've read so many terrible <laughs> books in book club lately that it like I was like, you know, this is this is not mm-hmm. bad. This is not bad. <laughs> so I guess my my uh, my my bar has been set pretty low. <laughs> Where does this rank? As compared to the other ones. What's something mm. that's slightly better and slightly worse? I mean, obviously, alien vampires, Amish vampires in space is. I would say the book we read last month, The Gay uh-huh. Romance, is worse. Than really? Yeah. Well, that book doesn't even make any sense. No one's going to let you, like, you know, like, have sex with your roommates for, like, weeks and like not notice that you guys are making faces at each other see this is what i mean double standards about like regency being like a totally made up world (laughs) is that you're totally fine with making the prince regent a supporting character not even a side character but a supporting character within this novel and putting words into his mouth which he obviously did not say and (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but you're not okay with the two gay gay dudes boning in some yeah well yeah no i mean it didn't it seemed it well anyway i felt like this book didn't really have like the way they everyone interacts with each other is very modern right mm-hmm. like even to the point of whenever they interact with the other the other bastard son's wife and stuff and like he's always like, we're just I'm just friends with this girl. We're friends. <laughs> yeah. Uh and I'm like, that would not have been how that would have yeah. worked. Like in a regency. Um 
And the fact that, you know, she just wants to keep her independent mm-hmm. life. Like, that's also not something that would have happened in Regency. They, yeah, they never have. <laughs> yeah. They always want their independent uh, life, but it's never true. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I'm coming to, so, like, I'm reading this book right now that, um, it's called In In the Wilderness, and it's actually, like, very much in the style of Diana Gabaldron, like, the Outlander series, to okay. the point where Claire and Jamie are mentioned in this book, um, but it's in Ooh. America. It's like, she was like, I really love Outlander, but, so I'm just gonna write it again. But in America. That's weird because Outlander goes to America. In yeah. Books, just saying. And that's that's why they were mentioned. Because Claire was mm. there in America at the same time. I thought that was weird. So here's here's the problem that I come up with. Is that like historical romances to me are just fantasy. Like sci-fi fantasy. Like they have no concept of the real world. And like there's nothing like more fantastical to me than a time when in England, when people have a bunch of titles and then they like wander around in dresses and bonnets and, you know, funny hats and whatever. That that sounds wholly fantastical to me. When it comes to hanging out in America at that time, that's where things get iffy, you know, because <laughs> there's a little thing called slavery <laughs> that's going on over here. And it just makes me really uncomfortable. (laughs) And um, I have seen, like, I always, like, automatically skip those books (laughs) that are, like, in um, pre-Civil War America. But in this this book, she's, like, actually dealing with the fact that there are slaves and that kind of stuff. But at the same time, I'm like, I don't want this much reality. In my books. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. know, like, guess what? The world still sucks. <laughs> you know? <laughs> like. <laughs> yeah. Like, if you start thinking about the real world, you'll start thinking about other parts of the real world. Like, you really need to do your laundry. <laughs> and there's an email. Like, it just becomes too yeah. real. Yeah. That's true. But also, it's like, you know, you can pat yourself on the back as far as, like, we don't have slaves anymore. That's great. But it's not, like, awesome right now for black people, like, or any person of color or any person that deviates from the, you know, white heterosexual world. <laughs> so That and, like, I mean, and, and during these Regency, like, besides ho- holding, like, interesting balls and, um, and, like, you know, going to the, going to town... These people were also like leading the slave oh, trades. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. That and 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 basically colonizing the world by force and like poisoning uh uh you know native peoples of various lands, yeah. right? Like I mean that was also happening, but it's not inside this story. So but we feel for some reason we feel less less personally obligated in this like, you know, this world in which everyone is a freaking discount. <laughs> right? Yeah. And all, and the main objective is to get, be married well, mm-hmm. right? And I don't know. There's something about it where we're willing to suspend judgment. 
But I will say, in my own defense involving the last book that we had, is I, I think inside the internal logic is that the male characters were constantly worried about being found out. Uh-huh. Therefore, it fit the internal logic of the story that, that, that they would have taken more precautions in their interaction. Oh, so, oh, okay. So, the internal logic. Whereas this has okay, no yeah. internal logic, so there's this no has, bar it to, has... to raise itself to. I mean, there's the concept of uh, of being ruined. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there seems to be rules on how one can be ruined. And they're unfair rules, but they're still yeah. rules. But, yeah, it's interesting that, like, I'm willing to suspend judgment for this sort of book. But I think it's because it's such, it's such in its genre, yeah. right? Like, there, there is, in this book, like, an attempted kidnapping and, uh, and a bargain struck and a convenience I mean, wedding. to the point where I was like, you're just using too much. Because there, there was, like, her going to his lair and, you know, I just really wanted to stay there. Or I wanted, like... When it came to the dungeon part, I was like, this is a little too late for the dungeon part, you know. It's, yeah, it's, uh, Sabrina Jeffries is very much within her genre. Like, she is, she's a big contender within the genre and is following in the footsteps of, uh, Mary Belogue and Eloisa James and, you know, you pick up one of her books, you know exactly what's going to happen. So, it's there. You know, <laughs> it's like, you know, romance novels, Regency romance novels are a tight, well-run ship, you know, at this point. Yes. That, that also may be the reason why I love it is because you know exactly the quality you're going to get into. That's true. That's true. I feel like based on this book, I would, I'm, I'm not like totally into it, but I feel like I could read the other books, but I don't feel like. We actually ended up reading the second in the series, but I don't feel like I needed to read the first no. one. I mean, that's the good thing about Regency is that it sets itself up to to be able to be a one-off or to read the whole series. And I th- feel like, as far as my personal tastes go, I want a little bit more angsty. Like, not like a lot, not like to the 10th degree, but just a little bit more than what's going on here. It's very surface level angsty, and I wanted I want a little bit deeper. But I wonder if the third book with the uh, game hell owner, maybe that's a good one. The gaming club owner, Gavin Bine, yeah. Bine, the irresistible story of Lady. It's just on the inside of my book, Lady Christabel and the notorious game club mm-hmm. owner. Yeah, it sounds pretty good. Yeah, that sounds fun. I might read that one. I probably wouldn't read the first one, which is just that dude. There's always, like, you know, the noble one, which is always the less interesting book of the series. And I think yeah. he's the noble yeah, one. That's true. Yeah. But I just want to help mm-hmm. you. I'm doing this for duty. <laughs> <laughs> And maybe it's like because she's it's basically like a series of tropes. But the writing I thought was good. Mm-hmm. Like the tete a tete was often cute, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Do do we want to move to next month? Yeah, I think so. Okay. So next month we have back for her second 
book club, Katie, Wendy's older sister, mm-hmm. your 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 most recent older sister. <laughs> your, your that is the weirdest way to say middle sister. <laughs> Are you a most recent older I sister? Think... <laughs> I am the most recent, recently older. <laughs> you know, like. You know, the 2019 edition, not just the 2017 edition. I like to think myself as improved upon my older sister, <laughs> like a new, a new version of older sisterness. Um, and and we are reading fan, fan fiction. fiction. All right. Hard, like actual fan fiction. Actual fan fiction. Not sort of fan fiction, not possibly fan fiction, but actually fan fiction. <laughs> not like, like from the novels internet. that have been published from people who have written fan fiction. This is actual. And not like, you know, where we change the names of all the characters after we've written yeah, fan fiction. It's actual. They're going to be yes. characters that we know. Mm-hmm. That we know. And Katie was a little worried about this because she loves fan fiction. She was like, you're kind of like prying into my soul right now, right? I was like, yeah, I don't care. (laughs) I mean, I I, I have to. Can you at least tell her that we're going to read it with extremely low expectations? I mean, that's what I tried to tell her. I was like, it's not like we read like (laughs) high class, high brow novels. I mean, this was this was a classy book we read, and it's called "To Pleasure yeah, a this Prince." Is definitely on the high list of quality. <laughs> yeah, this is this is like minimal typos, <laughs> few grammatical she's, mistakes. She's written more than one book. She knows what plot line is. You know, it appears like she has read a book before. <laughs> you know, <laughs> she knows what a plot line is. Uh, other uh, characters show up that will be showing up in other books. It's almost like yeah, she planned yeah, her book. It's almost it's almost like she knew what she was. It was almost like she was kind of paid to do <laughs> this sort of work. But yeah, so I'm excited. I have not read any fan uh-huh. fiction. Um, I think I might have skimmed some fan fiction at some point in my life. Um. <laughs> I won't say it was good fan fiction, so I'm excited to hear about what makes something good. <laughs> I'm, I hope that she won't be too offended if we don't like it because I don't. I don't know. It's not typically my genre. <laughs> yeah, I guess I'd say, but I'm excited yeah, for it. Me too. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Getting Let, available monthly on iTunes. For extra bonus features on this episode, you can visit gwenwendy.com slash s3ep6. You can also read more about there about Wendy. You can follow Alana on Twitter, at Librarian Alana. What's the best type of romance? The novel, trashy kind. Trashy. Wow. <laughs> Explosion. It's, it's like, that's like the remix <laughs> at the end of the podcast. That's fancy. Fancy, fancy. Gotta be up to Prince level, right? Yeah. Ready? Three, two, one. The Analana's podcast. Wendy Analana's podcast. Get literary, get literary. Woo!